Anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? All right, a few of you. You ever heard of Stephen Covey? Wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. You go to Edgar Murray, they've got those seven habits. They're pushing them uh, to the students. It's good stuff, really good stuff. And we could name other guys, motivational speakers. Uh, Zig Ziglar's the guy that I heard say that he's the type of fellow that he has so much optimism that he'll go out in a canoe with a fork and tartar sauce after Moby Dick. He's that kind of positive. Man, may his tribe increase, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's positivity. It might also be a little naive, but, you know, he's positive. Well, he made his living on encouraging other people to be positive and other people to give themselves. Uh, you also heard the, uh, it'll come to me, influencing people uh, in the such. It was pretty hilarious. My brother, who thought he needed some help in this area of influencing people, he joined one of those classes. His aunt, my aunt, paid his fee. I think it was like $1,500. It, it, it was expensive stuff. This is back in the day. And Tony, in Kingston fashion, they told him he could miss three classes and still complete the course. So the first thing he did when he got home was he got his calendar out. This was long before iPhones. And he set his skip days. And Bobby looked at him like he had three heads. Tony, what are you doing? They said I could miss three classes. I'm going to miss three. No, no, that's not what they said. They said if you're sick, if some emergency, said, hon, you've got a wife and kids. If something comes up and you need to miss a class, you can miss that class and still pass the course. You're not supposed to skip three days. <laughs> Tony failed how to influence people. <laughs> he really did. Tony, 40-some-odd years old when he surrendered to preach. And three months later, he went to heaven. Wow. Wrap your hand around that, you know, head around that and the such. But, but here's what I'm trying to share with you. We all need some habits that helps us be the people that God wants us to be. Some people call it disciplines. That's fine. Whatever you want to call it. These are, things, these are secrets that I, what, whatever you, you know, your sauce, you, you use it. But these from Proverbs chapter 2 and Proverbs chapter 3 are seven intensely spiritual habits that if you and I want to be intensely spiritual, we're going to have on some level. Now, I, in my humble opinion, probably everybody under the sound of my voice are already doing these to some level. So watch this. I want you to ask God to help you to zone in on the one or two that you, you could do better at. What is the highly intensely spiritual habit that you need to improve on? Something that I've shared with you many, many times uh, I shared with you recently about Proverbs 18 that God used that discipline of us seeking his face in the Proverbs that matches the day of the month that we determined that we were going to get married on July the 18th in 1992 because in that passage it has her favorite verse and it has the verse that says, a man that findeth a wife obtaineth favor of the Lord. I mean, it was just a deal breaker for us. It settled it for us. Well, I thought it quite interesting that uh, Emma and Benjamin were married on the 2nd of September. Proverbs chapter 2 has some of my favorite verses in it, and we're going to look at that 
today, but then certainly Proverbs 3 uh, has the rest, if you will, of the highly intensely spiritual habits that I want to encourage you and I to have today. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's Word. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 9, and then we will read the other verses as we come to them in this message. You're going to get more out of this if you give me your full attention. If you don't give me your full attention, it's going to be a boring sermon, I promise you. You give me your full attention, and you give ultimately the Lord and His Word your full attention, and God's going to bless you. Because these intensely spiritual habits will change your life. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 9. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler, that means shield, to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. Father, we ask you to add your blessings to the reading and preaching of your holy word. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. You may be seated. I was a preacher's son. I showed up to Central Baptist College, having been a PK all my life. I was five years old when Dad surrendered to preach. It was also five years old at the first church that he preached that I received Christ as my Savior. When I showed up college, everybody there had the rightful expectation that I knew what I was talking about. They had the rightful expectation that I had a good understanding of the Word of God. But here's the dirty little secret that was going on in Ben's life, that it was just a year and a half previous that I had really realized how off the track, how little I knew. I mean, I was illiterate compared to where I needed to be with the Word of God. I was so hungry for the Word of God during that time, I read the New Testament 17 times times. I was seeking his face, but I felt as inadequate as anyone could feel. I would avoid Bible trivia games, that I would walk by the commons area and someone would be playing. That's when it first came out in 1980-something, and they thought they would have a, a gym on their team for the preacher's kid, the preacher, to be on their team, and I'd always decline. I'd always come up with an excuse. You know why? I knew how little I knew, and I didn't want them to find out. You know, I didn't want them to ask me some question about the Trinity, and I'm like, uh, uh, uh uh-huh. I didn't want them to ask me some question about Moses and me look at them like, uh uh-huh. I needed wisdom. I needed absolute spiritual insight. Church, there's only one way to get that. 
There's only one way to get that. And I knew that, and I wasn't where I wanted to be type thing. And I hope and pray we really never get to where we want to be. It's always a progress. If you ever get to that third chair, pray for humility and repent and get back in the second chair. And y'all remember that? Chair one, chair two, chair three. Chair one is you are a disciple. You have to have someone pour into you. You are at zero knowing who you are in Christ and what you ought to be doing. But as you grow in Christ, you get in chair number two where you start pouring into someone in chair number one, and you need to just sit right here. Every once in a while, you'll get in chair number three to share someone that's in chair number two, but you need to always get back in chair number two and have somebody putting into you. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Brother Ben, you can't follow me around. No, you can't. That's why you listen to 99.1, 91.5. You get it. You dig. You seek. You search. And so this first point under highly intensely spiritual habits, point number one, a lifelong pursuit of wisdom and understanding. A lifelong pursuit of wisdom and understanding, one of the, and, and nobody, praise God, nobody has said this in my hearing for years. So let me just tell you now, don't. What is it, Brother Ben? I've done my time. It's time for these youngins to come up and do their share. See, I'm old enough and crotchety enough, you're going to get an earful. When I was younger, when I'd hear someone say that, I'm like, Lord, I need an answer. Church, we're not done till we're done. When we're out there planted somewhere or our ashes are being spread somewhere, that we're done. We're in heaven and we're receiving, you know, if you will, our just rewards. But church, as long as we're breathing, we got work to do. We've got work to do. A lifelong pursuit of wisdom and understanding. L- listen to this. If you will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee... You're not hiding them to the point that you're not going to share them. You're hiding them to the point that you're memorizing them to the point that you'll always have them. So that thou incline thine ear into wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. I shared with the first service that uh, way back in the day, as a youth director, I had to come up with something for the kids to do on Wednesday night in between May and September. It was difficult. One particular year, the Lord blessed, and we landed on Wisdom University, and we just went through the book of Proverbs, and we had a little book that was our text. It was awesome. Some fella had drew all these amazing uh, characters to go along with. There was a character that represented wisdom. There was a character that represented understanding. There was a character that represented foolishness, and, and it was awesome. And we went through that book in that time, but we had to define wisdom, and that's when, and this has stuck with me to today, wisdom is doing God's things, God's ways, God's things, God's ways. If you and I want to be the salt of the earth, if we want to be wise beyond our years, we're going to do God's things, God's ways. Thank you, Brad, and amens rang throughout the building. Church, listen to me. What are God's things? Soul winning, discipleship, righteousness, attending one of his churches, serving in that church. I mean, we could fill in all these blanks. Watch this. How do we do those things? God's ways. There's a right way and a wrong way to do all those things. If we do them in the power of our flesh, that's a wrong way. 
Rather than we just need to work harder. No, we need to work smarter. We need to make sure that we're praying. Church, I'm going to tell you, I can't, I can't tell you how many times the Holy Spirit reminds me, you didn't ask me. Well, why didn't that happen, Lord? You didn't ask me to step in and, and do it. And so it's important for us to do God's things, God's ways. But now this is where it gets serious. We are supposed to work hard. You, it dropped in first service too. It's okay. That's the note from Phil Waldrop to pray for him, so I keep it in here, but I need to tape it back in. I wore the tape out, okay? That's how rough you... No, I'm kidding. Here we go. If thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. Church, there ought to be some time in your daily time where you're begging God to give you what you need. You're begging God. You're crying after him. Give me wisdom. Give me your understanding of your wisdom. And then here it is. If thou seekest her as for hid treasure, I'm sorry. If you seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now, if someone walked up to you, and, and the regulars here, you've heard this many times, but if someone told you, and we figured it up, my wife did the math. You know, a million dollars don't impress anybody anymore. You know, a billion dollars does. If I told you there was a billion dollars worth of silver in your backyard, you would tear that place up. And if you're like me, you wouldn't mess with a shovel. We're talking a billion dollars worth of silver. You'd go to Chase Co. and you would rent one of those, you know, whatever those things are. Backhoe, excavator, thank you. I see somebody smarter than me had to tell me. Watch this. My wife informed me that's 3 million pounds of silver. You're not just going to rent a backhoe and excavator. You're going to rent a dump truck. And you're probably not going to take it to Wright Brothers to turn it in. <laughs> you're going to take it to somebody that does silver because you are a billionaire because you got 300 million pounds of silver in your backyard. You've got something more important than that available to you. You do. Because, and I'm not trying to be mean or hateful, but have you noticed the billionaires in our world, they ain't so smart when it comes to spiritual decisions? They're not. They keep making decisions that one bad decision after another. They divorce one person after the other. They hurt one person after the other. They lose family because of bad choices. I mean, church, I'm not, again, you need to understand the world you're living in. Every time you see so-and-so died suddenly, you need to follow that up in a couple of days when they release the toxology. They took their life because of an overdose or fill in the blank. People are hurting, and money is not helping. Wisdom and understanding. And, and I'm preaching to the choir. You're, you're here, but church, this is a lifelong pursuit that we need to make sure that we're doing every day. Point number two, and I got to get back into, there we go, thank you. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 3, 1 and 2. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 and 2. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Point number two, making the word of God the daily pursuit for that wisdom 
and understanding. And we've basically already illustrated this with the silver uh, and the backyard treasure type thing. But this is an intense spiritual habit that will change your life if you'll give your life to it, making the Word of God the daily pursuit for your wisdom and understanding. David said, early will I seek thee, for I live in a thirsty land. My soul thirsteth for you. Church, I know that not all of us are early risers. I'm really not, you know, that early of a riser myself. I don't struggle with it as much as others and the such, and what do I mean by that? I've always been somebody that wakes up around 5 or 6 o'clock. I have trained my body to go back to sleep sometimes, but here's the point. Whenever is early for you, you need to make God your first priority. Nothing else is important. John and I were at a uh, retreat for preachers. We were there at the budget lodging years and years ago. And brother, um, he pastors Central Baptist Church in Conway, Arkansas, one of the few mega churches that the BMA has. I think they average a 1,000 or so. It's a large church. And Don Chandler said this, pastors, when you're in your study seeking the Lord and your phone goes off, do you answer it? And we're all sitting there, and it's a rhetorical question, but we're thinking about it. And the answer is absolutely. And he said this, you're speaking to the Lord of glory. Doesn't he know what's on that other end? Don't you think he can handle that? You're in God's presence. Do what you came to do. Get that situation taken care of. Get where you need to be with God, and then you can call him back. It works both ways. And I mean, he was just hammering those preachers. I'm so glad I wasn't a senior pastor at that time. You and I should make seeking the Word of God our first priority. It's a struggle for this preacher every day, every day. But when I do it, whoo, it blesses me to no end. Point number three. Let's look at verses three and four. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them on the table of thine heart so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, I've listed these both of those verses for point number three, but we're going to hone in on verse four on point number four. So look, look at this. Here's my point. Living by the truth found as a result of the pursuit of God's word and showing mercy while living that truth. Now, I can't speak for you, but when I was younger, it was extremely hard for me to show mercy to the people that I was trying to speak truth to. As a very young senior pastor, I had to get red in the face to talk about certain things. Well, that was immaturity, and it was a lack of understanding and wisdom. And as I have grown in the Lord, I've learned that you can deal with really difficult, hard situations with love and mercy. And church, I hope you've noticed a difference in my preaching in the last four to five years these people that don't agree with us, these people that believe we are their enemies, these people that 100% disagree with us and the Word of God, watch this, they are deceived. In the book of Corinthians, the Bible says through Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have been blinded by the little g, God, of this world. They don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. Church, 
The golden rule is doing to others as we'd have them doing to us. If you were in that situation, you would want someone that knew the truth to tell you the truth in love. Amen, church? You would want them to show you mercy. You would want them to treat you with understanding that you are blinded right here, right now. That's why you can see these godly people standing in a protest situation and the world people screaming, spitting upon them and the such, and they're taking it. Why? Because they know they're blinded. And sooner or later, the Holy Spirit is going to use that loving stand for righteousness to bring about a divine appointment. Now, not all of them will believe, but some of them will. And it'll be because somebody loved them enough to tell them the truth, but with mercy. So I want you to hear that point. Again, this is point number three. Living by the truth found as a result of the pursuit of God's word and showing mercy while living that truth. Point number four. The practice of placing yourself third in priority. This is not easy. The practice of placing yourself third in priority. Have you ever wondered why I quote my brother-in-law almost every Sunday? It's not because he's my brother-in-law. It's not because I owe him money. It's not because he's paid me to do it. It's because the truths of God's Word that Brother Gavin has brought out in his two books have changed my life. And the core principle, love God, love others, is something I have known forever, but I haven't really applied it the way I should until recently because that book has helped me understand the imperativeness, if you will, of putting God first and loving the people He loves second, and then God will take care of me. You've heard me say, if you'll make God's priorities your priorities, He'll make your priorities His priorities. And I have found that God can take care of my priorities way better than I can. And when we trust him with that, he does amazing things. So look at verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. When you start putting God and others first, God will make others love you. He will make others show favor on you. And church, none of us should serve God for his favor, but all of us needs to know when you serve God, you're going to get his favor. He loves you. He's your dad, if you will. He's your spiritual father. He wants to pour his blessings out upon you. Point number five, trusting in God's wisdom over your own. Look at chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. This is a good verse to put into memory. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Nobody knows what you and I need more than God. He's the only one that sits that high. I wish I could remember the preacher that I could give credit, but somebody else said that. I think it was Bill Gothard. God is the only one that sits that high that he can know which way you should go and what decision you should make. How many times do you find yourself saying, I don't know what to do? said it yesterday. I don't know what to do. God does. God does. And he wants you to know. He wants you to know. And if you will ask him, 
He will tell you. But you've got to trust His wisdom over your own. Look at point number six. Proving number five by taking time each day to present your ways and allowing Him to prioritize your day. These are long points, so I apologize, but chapter 3, verse 6, in all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. An intensely spiritual discipline is sitting there long enough to say, okay, Lord, this is what's on my plate today. As far as I know, how do you want me to prioritize it? And I'm telling you, truth, church, God has said, do this first. Now, I'm just a thinking that the first person that told me this and God had probably gotten together years ago and God had shared this wisdom with this person and this person shared it with any and everybody that would listen to him. Look at your tasks that you have and if you have authority, if you will, to prioritize those tasks. I mean, some of us just got to show up and do what we're told. Amen. Hallelujah. But some of us may have an opportunity to prioritize those. Do the hardest one first. Now, I don't know how many of you can relate to me, but I am a procrastinator. No amens, please. Thank you, Mandy. I am a procrastinator. I joke. I've been saying this joke since 2002 after my brother passed away. Tony was the king. Tony was the king of procrastinators. But I sat on the right-hand throne. Okay, and that's likening unto God and Jesus. So Tony was the king of procrastinators. I hope I never do it as well as he did it. And do you know why he got so well at it? Because one fella ruined him. Church, sometimes we don't know the impact that we have on people. We got to be careful what we say. This older fella told Tony one day when Tony was busily trying to get stuff done, he was trying to overcome his procrastination And the guy said, Tony, I've learned you never do today what you can put off till tomorrow. Tony took that as the 11th commandment. Tony never did anything after that point forward that he couldn't put off till tomorrow. And his wife, you bring that up, she gets red in the face still today. (laughs) Because that ruined Tony. Now, watch this. You know, some of that, if not most of it's on Tony for taking that bad advice. Church, that's Bad advice. And I have discovered that when I can make myself do it, you do the hardest task first. It's out of the way. It's out of the way. And then you go from there. But at some point, to some level, we ought to be asking God, what do you want us to do today? And then point number six, the last point. I'm sorry. I, I don't know who's back there. Uh, Kenny Frosser gave me a hard time last week because my points were messed up, and I think I've messed them up again this week. So maybe it's a Kenny Frosser thing. I don't know. Um, but I, I think I'm on point number seven. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. Uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, I wish I had a dime for every time I've used this word in the 25 years of pastoring this church, but here it is. Making humility, that's the word, making humility and the fear of the Lord a lifelong pursuit. Now, I shared this with first service, and I'm going to share it with you. If I'm not careful, I'm anything but humble. If I'm not careful, I'm a domineering, uh, overpowering personality, and if I'm not careful, I can push things and people out of the way. That's not who I've been called to be. That's not who I 
want to be, but watch this. There are certain elements of this position, if we can call it that, that I need that ability. But the wisdom comes in is knowing when to use it and, and when not to. I had one of the wisest men that I've ever been in a, on a committee with say when we were getting ready to fire a 25-year tenure missionary, before we take this vote, guys, I just want to say the same thing that makes him difficult to deal with made him such a good missionary that he stayed on the same field for 25 years. You need to think that through. And we're all like, ooh, yeah, that, that's good stuff. So we didn't fire him. Praise God, he resigned. And we honored him in front of the entire association, the next association meeting. And so we were able to get both things done. We got him off the field because he wasn't listening to us. But we also honored him for the work that he had done for the Lord. Watch this. If I'm not careful from my toes, when something happens, I start to think, okay, I'm, I'm, fitting, to, I'm fitting to take over here. And I had that situation about, I guess it was Monday, I can't remember exactly. I think actually it was Friday. The, uh, when did dove season open? Friday. Friday. There you go. It was Friday. And I was going to meet uh, Dink. He, he's made the sermon twice now. He'll be so thrilled. He always asks me, did I make the sermon today, Brother Ben? He did so far for all good reasons. One of these days, but it's probably going to be judgment time. But nonetheless, and that's just for him. Hopefully his wife will tell him I said that. Uh, I had to get gas. And it was super early in the morning. We stopped at the BP there on O. And I'm getting gas. Guys, I've gotten gas for years now at these fancy new pumps that you got to listen to commercials. You know, the moment you pull that, it starts telling you all the things that you can't live without. Can I get a witness? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Not hurting me a bit. This guy pulls up, and he's in a hurry. But he's also, he, he, he got something to say. And he hears, it's on my side. He hadn't even started his pump yet. And he hears the commercial. Oh, I'm so sick of that stuff. My goodness. Well, can't even get gas without a commercial. And he walks over and says, you know how to stop that, right? And he hits the button that stops it. And stop. Didn't ask me if I wanted to stop it. Didn't ask me if I was kin to the person doing the commercials or nothing. And I looked at him like he had three heads, and I felt it welling up. I'm finna to put this fella in his place. And when we got right here, the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh. Uh-uh, you got a gun in your truck, and he maybe have a gun in his truck. It won't end well. Just leave it alone. What does it hurt that you're not listening to that silly commercial? You don't listen to them anyway. You just don't mind ambient noise. He does. Meet him where he's at. <laughs> and we sat there and talked for a little bit, and everything was fine. But I wanted to tell him, sir, this is my side. <laughs> this is what I wanted to You stay on your side, and everything will be fine. I don't reach many people for Jesus. <laughs> and, and surely, if you're trying to win them to the church sooner or later, that, eh, that don't go over well. What am I trying to tell you? God has had to patiently work with me on humility. In church, we, we need to have humility one towards another and certainly towards the world that we're trying to reach. These are seven habits, intensely spiritual habits, that everyone in this room needs to apply. I'm telling you, the things in Stephen Covey's book are good. The things in Zig Ziglar's books are good. But you probably can live without those. 
You're not going to do very well as a Christian without these. And I'm begging you, which one do you need to improve most upon? Musicians, will you come? Will you stand with me? We've got plenty of time for an invitation. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, now would be the time. We'll send you with someone gender appropriate. They'll share the gospel with you. Maybe one of these habits, the Holy Spirit has said, you need to apply this this week, whatever the case may be. Will you come? Let's sing.